Hey everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a podcast about reclaiming the place of priority relationship is providentially intended to hold in your life. You know, we live in a world where community is far too often pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things, but the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As believers, we have the choice to prioritize connection in our life every day and to live face to face with God and people. In this show, I'll be number one, sharing research which supports the importance of relationship, number two, giving you tools to help you improve your interpersonal connections, and number three, sharing writings that I have done in the past on the importance of community. It is my sincere hope that the content presented in this podcast equips you to better serve and love others. To access my past and future articles, subscribe to my YouTube channel or purchase a copy of my books, visit homeschoolerponderings.blogspot.com. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 47 of the Restoring Report podcast. I'm super excited for the content we've got planned out for you guys today. As always, I'm going to be reading and reviewing an article entitled, What Does Rat Park Teach Us About Addiction? And uh, before I go ahead and get into that, this this article I know is going to hit me hugely. Uh, it's going to make a big impact. I have not actually read this article. You're getting my first impression. I've skimmed parts of it as usual, but I think it's something we definitely want to read on the show. And I was listening to a TED Talk today by Johan Hari. And uh, he really, really does a great job of condensing the message of this article I'm about to read to you into just a few words. So let's go ahead and hear what he has to say. In Vietnam, 20% of all American troops were using loads of heroin. And uh, if you look at the news reports from the time, they were really worried because they thought, my God, we're going to have hundreds of thousands of junkies on the streets of the United States when the war ends. It made total sense. Now, those soldiers who were using loads of heroin were followed home. The Archives of General Psychiatry did a really detailed study, and what happened to them? It turns out they didn't go to rehab. They didn't go into withdrawal. 95% of them just stopped. Now, if you believe the story about chemical hooks, that makes absolutely no sense. But Professor Alexander began to think there might be a different story about addiction. He said, what if addiction isn't about your chemical hooks? What if addiction is about your cage? What if addiction is an adaptation to your environment. Looking at this, there was another professor called Peter Cohen in the Netherlands who said, maybe we shouldn't even call it addiction. Maybe we should call it bonding. Human beings have a natural and innate need to bond. And when we're happy and healthy, we'll bond and connect with each other. But if you can't do that because you're traumatized or isolated or beaten down by life, you will bond with something that will give you some sense of relief. Now, that might be gambling, that might be pornography, that might be cocaine, that might be cannabis, but you will bond and connect with something because that's our nature. That's what we want as human beings. Now, when I heard that, I mean, that just hit me so hard that addiction is often um, something that you do to get a need met, that it's basically addiction is can be influenced and even controlled by your environment. Um, that just hugely impacted the way that I think, um, the way that I see the world, the way that I see people struggling with addiction. Um, and I hope that it helps you guys understand that a bit too. So I definitely want to pursue that concept um, through this article that we're going to read today. And the experiment that I'm going to be reading to you today, or the article about the experiment that I'm going to be reading you today, was done by a man named Dr. Bruce Alexander in the 1970s. Um, and we're going to go ahead and get into the details of the experiment in the article, but I just wanted to give you a little background on it. Um, his name was Dr. Bruce Alexander. It was done in the 1970s. And the author of this article we're about to read is Lloyd Serderer. Uh, he's a medical doctor, and the article is from the Psychiatric Times. 
So I know it's going to be a good article. It's going to be a quality source. So let's go ahead and get into it. I'm super excited. You guys are in for a treat. <clears throat> we owe to American psychologist Dr. Bruce Alexander the understanding that addiction is about far more than any drug. That a person or animal in his studies is an active ingredient in their interaction with a drug. To, uh, to stand a chance beating the op opioid and other drug epidemic, epidemics we have, we will be far better equipped if we follow his lead. Alexander's experiments in the 1970s have come to be called the Rat Park. Researchers had already proved that when rats were placed in a cage all alone with no other community of rats and offered two water bottles, one filled with water and the other filled with heroin or cocaine, the rats would repetitively drink the drug-laced water bottles until they overdosed and died. Like pigeons pressing a pleasure lever, they were relentless use until their bodies and brains were overcome and they died. But Alexander wondered, is this about the drug or might it be related to the setting they were in? To test his hypothesis, he put rats in rat parks, where they were among other others and free to roam and play, to socialize, and to have sex. And they were given the same access to the two types of drug-laced bottles. When inhabiting a rat park, they remarkably preferred the plain water. Even when they did imbibe from the drug-filled water, they did so intermittently, not obsessively, obsessively, and never overdosed. A social community beat the power of drugs. And right there, guys, that just automatically just hits me. The solution to, you know, when people are addicted to something that is dysfunctional, that is causing, that is harming themselves and others, the solution to that is community. It's connection. Uh, it's engagement with other people. And that's why I'm so huge on the importance of marriage and family on this show. Uh, people will ask me all the time. They're like, why did you choose marriage to host your podcast on? Why did you choose family to host your podcast on? There's a billion other things that young people could host a podcast on that would be cool. Um, but again, that, that communal element, that social element, that um, element of having somebody, that is what prevents these horrible problems in the world. Guys, I mean, this is this is a profound realization. Once people get this and they actually meet the needs that they have in the way that they're intended to be met, namely through marriage and family, they're not going to be seeking fulfillment. They're not going to be seeking a high. They're not going to be seeking, uh, they're not going to be bonding with all these horrible things, guys, because they'll have the genuine article. They'll have the genuine article. You know, I say all the time that people who have access to a freshwater spring don't really have a hard time passing up swamps. When you have the real thing, lesser than things become not even a problem for you, guys. It's a huge, huge realization. Hi guys, I want to take a quick break and tell you about an opportunity that you guys have as listeners to become subscribers of this podcast. Now in order to become a sub, all you have to do is follow the subscribe link in the show notes found in the description of each episode. And when you subscribe, you'll get access to exclusive material including additional interviews, all of my spoken word poetry pieces, all of my dramatized allegorical short stories, and even more of my article readings, okay? So lots of content will be available to you that won't be available to anyone else. Subscribing to the show only costs $5 a month, which is less than most people spend on their lunch at work every day, okay? So you won't even notice it disappearing from your bank account. If you enjoy listening to the show and you're looking for an opportunity to financially support the content you care about, this is your chance, okay? Follow the link in the show notes to become a sub. Thank you so much for choosing this show to listen to and now without further ado let's get back to the episode when, when you realize that it's huge you know one of my favorite authors talks about um 
he gives the analogy of a man in the desert uh, being offered a bowl of toilet water and because of his arid situation, because of how thirsty he is and his biological need for water, he will drink that. As dirty as it is, as unappealing as it is to people who have their needs met, he will drink it because he doesn't have his needs met. He's dying of thirst. Anything looks appealing when you're dying of thirst. Pornography looks appealing when you're dying of thirst. Uh, heroin looks appealing when you're dying of thirst. You know, allegorically, I'm not talking about literally dying of thirst. When you don't have a need met, awful things look appealing, guys. And that is just a huge realization that I want you guys to get through this article. Um, you know, young people who are biologically wired to have sex at, you know, st starting at like 18, it becomes really hard. It, at least in my case, it, it was before that. But in my case at 18, it was basically, um, I mean, it was a drive, a horrible, horribly uh, hard drive at that point. I was made to be married at that point. That's what I really want people to understand. God designed young people to be married, to be in an intimate relationship with the opposite sex far before they are in today's culture. The average age of marriage in today's culture is 27 for women and 29 for men. It's up from 20 for women and 23 for men in 1960. The age is just skyrocketing. We're just postponing it further and further and further into our life. And what that does is it causes us to go for years without getting our needs met and um, our f uh, physical needs, emotional needs. We're, we're, there's a period in that setup where we're trying to go like a decade without having those needs met. And that le that opens the door to addiction, that opens the door to pornography, that opens the door to drug abuse, that opens the door to food addiction, shopping addiction, you name it. Like, because we don't have the need met, because we're not connected to someone we connect ourselves to other things um, in an attempt to get what we really need. And it's just so sad to me. And But it's so important that we understand this principle because if we do and we pursue meeting the actual need, then substitutes, counterfeits will lose their power. And it's a hugely profound principle for us guys, especially young people who are having a hard time sexually. I mean, abstaining until you're married is, is really hard. Um, and I know there are huge benefits to doing that, but I'm saying we should definitely not be postponing marriage as long as we do for, for just if, if for no other reason, for the reason that it's basically ridiculous to ask people to go from the time of puberty until the time we're 29. Um, it's basically ridiculous to ask them to go that long without engaging in sexual activity because we're set up to be intimate with the opposite sex. That's just the way it is, guys. I'm sorry. And to, to, to suggest that we should do that and that it's healthy to do that is simply just a twisted way of viewing the world. And it, I'm really passionate about that because I believe we're setting up young people for, for failure and addiction and dysfunction. So when we understand this principle, back to the, back to the, um, this point, when we understand this principle, when we seek meeting the need in the God intended way, when we seek, when we promote getting married young, when we promote uh, marriage and family, when we promote healthy communities, being involved and developing healthy friendships with other people that never die, when we promote being a part of the body of Christ as the as the body of Christ, uh, meeting with one another, encouraging one another all the time, um, being praying, non praying unceasingly, being with one another unceasingly, when we, when we promote those things, we close the door to dysfunction. We close the door to addiction because when we don't have those things, that's when we're set upon by things trying to meet our need, guys. And we're weak. We're weak when we don't have our needs met. So I just love this article. It's so profound, such a profound principle um, that I think we really need to to grasp. Let's get on with the article here. I believe that the biggest problem with the powerful, ubiquitous, psychoactive drugs, meaning those that work on our brains and minds, is that they are so effective. In immediate and powerful ways, they change how we feel, think, relate, and behave. 
or transport us away from loneliness and isolation. This is why we use them. It is also why campaigns of quote unquote just saying no are naive and ineffective, and why the dilemma of drug taking legal and illicit has become one of the most dominant societal dilemmas we face in the 21st century. I mean, right there says it all. Right there, he, he says, the reason we take drugs is for loneliness and isolation. When we are not lonely, when we are not isolated, those drugs have no power. And that is demonstrated perfectly in this experiment that you guys are about to hear, um, conducted on rats. And I know humans are not rats, <laughs> obviously, guys, but I'm just saying that this experiment done on rats illustrates a principle about addiction that is totally applicable to humans. Back to the article here. How many of us during clinical encounters with patients focus on their families, their social communities, their sources of human contact and support? So he's addressing his fellow doctors here. He's saying those are things that need to be addressed. Do we ask questions like, who do you care about in your life? Who cares about you? When was the last time you, what was the last time you spent with people who are good for you instead of those who hurt you and foster your drug taking? These questions may lead to others such as who can you call or spend time with in the next couple of days? What gives you pause? What gives you pause in calling or making the kind of human contact needed to enable recovery? What do you imagine these people would think if you did make contact? How might that encounter go where it was not about asking for help or money, but instead simply and most importantly about reigniting their friendship, their attachment to you and their wish for your life to go well? Their interest is one way to achieve the dignity, purpose, meaning, and life of contribution so critical to hard work, to the hard work of recovery. And so on as the conversation may continue. The science of medicine, with the exceptional value it attributes to symptoms, diagnose, diagnosis, and evidence-based therapies, has the unintended effect of eclipsing what we know and can do about the benefits of human interaction and attachment. Please understand, I have been in practice for a long time. I am not naive about the complexity of complexities of human relationships and the fears and challenges they present. Perhaps that is one reason we eschew the questions I offer above. They open essential doors, but that means we, are, we clinicians, not just our patients, have to pass through those doors as well. Mother Teresa, not someone often quoted in medical journals, says, quote, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family, end quote. Man, that's a quote we've shared on this show so many times. I love that they're pointing that out in a Psychiatric Times article here. <clears throat> I think the Beatles said the same thing. And when people and families who are keeping their emotional heads above the often rolling waters of everyday life, who are not compulsively imbibing on drug-laced concoctions or pathologically gambling or playing video games and the like, we will see that they lead their lives in the light of relationships in human parks, not alone. Outstanding article. I just love to see stuff being published like this in the medical community. The Psychiatric Times is posting this. Lloyd Surderer, a, a medical doctor, he's been to school eight years for that degree alone. Um, just I love to see people publishing stuff like this and um, getting this, this message out there that when you have the need met, counterfeits don't have a foot to stand on. They have no door into your life. We open doors to counterfeits and dysfunctional addictions when we prolong getting our needs met, when we try to go without getting our needs met, when we reject the outlets through which we are designed to have our needs met, that's when we are open to dysfunction. If you think that, um, you know, you're, if you have a sex drive and you say, basically, I'm not going, I don't want to get married. I'm never going to get married. Um, you're shutting the door on marriage, the intended fulfill outlet for get, having that need met. You're shutting the door there. 
And by doing so, you're opening the door to this, this dysfunctional porn epidemic that is sweeping the country. And, you know, porn has all kinds of negative effects that I've talked about elsewhere. Um, but by shutting the door on marriage, on intimacy with a woman for the rest of your life, you are opening the door to having a plethora of virtual partners. It's just the way it is. You can't, you can't shut down the need. The need is always going to be there and it's going to get met one way or another. You can get it met health in a healthy medium or you can get, get it met through an unhealthy medium. Those are your two options. So this is just such a powerful article. And I hope that it encourages you as young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family to actually pursue it, to go for the outlet that meets your needs in the fullest way without harming you. Um, not to meet them through these other ways that we see our generation meeting them, guys. Um, I'm not slamming needs here. It is a good thing to have needs. We've talked about being humans, being having healthy limitation, being designed with healthy limitation. We're not designed as the most efficient creatures on the planet. Efficiency is not how humans were designed, guys. We do. We have so many needs, uh, biological, spiritual, social. I mean, it's just unreal how needy we are. We're basically babies. <laughs> and um, just the amount of needs that we have is un unreal. And that is okay. That's how we're designed. It's okay to have needs. What's not okay is to meet those needs through unhealthy mediums. Guys, so I just really hope this article has encouraged uh, you guys today. I love doing this article. I hope that uh, you guys enjoyed it as well. I hope it gave you something. I hope it nourished your spirit and encouraged you um, to meet your needs through the appropriate mediums. Guys, I, I just challenge you today, closing this show off. If you have needs, that's fine. But you need to meet those needs in the way that they're intended. If you're thirsty, drink living water. If you're hungry, eat nourishing food. If you are dying to have sex, get married, uh, invest in a relationship with a woman or a man um, that will last a lifetime. Um, don't settle for one night stands, casual flings, permanent dating, cohabitation. These things do not meet your needs. They might meet your needs in a way, but they're not meeting your needs to the fullest. They're not meeting your needs to the level at which you were, they were intended to be met. So I really encourage you guys to uh, pursue the pursue the intended God-given medium for your needs being met. Um, you know, if you are needing friends, do not just like not not slamming anything wrong with virtual friends or people that you don't know what their face looks like. The internet today enables us to be connected with a lot of people, but go and get some real friends out in the real world. Build connections with face-to-face -face, uh, people. Um, invest in them, pour into those relationships, and before you know it, suddenly you're eight years into the relationship and you have a really strong community, guys. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight, no, but you can get your needs met. You can get your needs met by pursuing and investing and putting your energy into what matters. So I hope you guys have really enjoyed this article. I love doing this article for you article for you guys today. Remember, you can follow the Restoring Report podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can also rate and review the show. All those things help us. And remember, if you'd like to get my hat today, um, this awesome Restoring Report hat that I am wearing, if you would like to get that hat, you can do so for absolutely free uh, by becoming a subscriber of the show. Once again, it's only $4.99 a month to do that. And as soon as you become a subscriber, I'm going to send you a hat. As long as my supplies last, we're going to run out of hats soon. But uh, if you subscribe to the show, I'm going to give you a hat absolutely free. And uh, once again, if you subscribe to the show, you're going to get access to double the content, two podcasts a week. And it's just going to be something you, you're not going to regret at all for $4.99 a month. Absolutely great deal. So thank you guys so much for listening today and we'll talk to you guys next time.